I think one of the most generous-hearted as well as the most generously gifted of American poets is Allen Ginsberg. And I suppose when you hear the name Allen Ginsberg, immediately, I'm guessing now, this happens to many people, there's a smile. It's not a smile that's put down, it's just a smile, because I think there's an openness of his spirit that leads to this that is so needed today. And we'll hear Allen Ginsberg, my guest, who's passing through town. And perhaps for the third time. For the so third time. Yes. And we're going to go back. After this pause, we'll go back to something when first you came. 1959. <laughs> 59. You with Gregory Corso. And Peter Orlowski. And Peter Orlowski. But of this in a moment after this message. Alan, Alan Ginsberg, so much has happened. Let's, let's hear. It was just after Sputnik. Yeah. Back in 1959, I came through Chicago with a couple of poets. And three of you came in the studio, I remember that. It was elsewhere, it was a 221 North LaSalle, and you were reading full of vitality. And I was kind of a wise guy. I really was, you know, kind of a wise guy. Because the word beat had just mm -hmm. come into being, and there was sort of a, a put-down of many of the poets of your world. Mm -hmm. Your world, though it isn't of all worlds. Well, I think probably we asked for it since we were so aggressive. So we've all mellowed. <laughs> this is, you're reading a poem. Yeah, I was reading a poem written on the day that the first Russian Sputnik went up. And thus it goes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, 17 years ago, it's amazing. And listen to you. Yeah, I, was still I was still talking about Buddha then. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah. how appropriate now. Yeah, well, all right, now 17 years sense. since we met. Yeah. Right, much well, it's a little more than that, actually, 16, uh, 17, 18 years. Uh, 18, oh, much has happened. Well, I've gotten gray-bearded. <laughs> You've gotten a little more white-haired. You've written books. Well, to you and the world. To you, me, and the world. Yeah, the world has gotten younger. It was, there was <laughs> the world's gotten younger. There <laughs> was gotten here, younger. you were, there's your harmonium, and yeah. you were trying to make things peaceful in that wild, hot August week of 1968 in Chicago, when things were not peaceful, and you were trying. Yeah, and you lost your voice in the effort, I remember that. Well, I was uh, chanting then. I was, doing, I was doing a Buddhist chant, actually, Om. Mm. You have the... That year. And then uh, what was interesting is in that a couple of years later, I got more involved with uh, meditation. Uh, so I got a, little, got a little better, got my act together a little better. The Om act, so to speak. And uh, working with a um, uh, Buddhist meditation teacher who was more of an expert in mantra than I was, I said, well, Ohm didn't work too well in Chicago. There's still a lot of tear gas. What should we use for Miami in 1972? So he said, why don't you try something that sounds more American? Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so in Miami, uh, I went with David Dellinger and the peace protesters. We tried, ah,
it was a little better because there was less tear gas on the spot there then. Uh, what we did was um, a group of us uh, who were protesting the um, war uh, marched up the street. But then there was, a, uh, all of a sudden we were, uh, we were joined by a whole gang of people in um, army fatigue uniforms uh, or like looked like veterans for peace but weren't. were probably like part of those COINTEL government FBI infiltrators mm -hmm. who started overturning um, trash cans. And that's interesting. And uh, who weren't part of our march, no. but who suddenly came in from a side street and joined us in the middle of the uh -huh. marchers who were go walking along the street and chanting, ah, sort of calming that. the scene. Yeah. So then we had to stop and, and put back the trash cans, and they started pulling the plugs out of, like, opening the hoods of cars and stopping mm -hmm. the cars and buses. And so we were a little perplexed. So finally we sat down in the middle of the street and chanted, ah, about a hundred of us. And then... Um, then uh, the cops came, uh, surrounded us, and put us all in a, in a meat truck and took us to jail now, for a couple of days. You say something very interesting in view of what we're finding out now in the files of, uh, that are being asked by different people through, yeah. the, through the Freedom of Information Act, yeah. that those who are trashing and turning things over, committing violence, were great many of the employee of the government. Yeah, that's they, they, were, they were agents provocateurs, mm. right, what they were. That's an old, old, old trick, yeah. which people were warning us about at the time, yeah. but I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't believe it. They'd have the chutzpah in there. I got my papers from the government under the Freedom of Information Act. You did? So I have, uh, I have uh, some of my FBI file, some of my CIA file, some of my uh, d drug department file, the uh, Narcotics Bureau. Mm -hmm. There were some funny things in do you, it. I about to say, do you have a pretty lot of pages? Oh, I got about uh, 700 pages of stuff. Oh, you do? That's but Very good. little about Chicago, strangely. Like, uh, they didn't give it to me. I yeah. know that they said they gave me everything, but the main thing probably that I, that I did that was uh, got me into government files was here uh, in Chicago, and there's hardly anything, so they've got it all. Mm. But one thing they do have, which is funny, is 1967. There's a paper from the Narcotics Bureau in New York mm -hmm. to the Federal Narcotics Bureau in Washington saying... On this date, we received a photograph of Allen Ginsberg in an obscene posture. For possible future use, we are <laughs> filing it <laughs> in, in a locked sealed envelope in the New York uh, Department, New York Drug Bureau. I have my, I'm sorry. You got yours? No, not my yeah. FBI. I, I, I have Army intelligence files. The year I was in the Air Force, 1942-43, 117 pages, for which they want $7.35. The, the whole thing, or just a page? Well, for that, seven dollars. The, the fee is seven thirty-five. They said because of the Xerox copies. I Did you send it? Not yet. Oh, I'm debating it. the matter. No, it's interesting. Uh -huh. No, it costs. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I may send it. Seven thirty-five. Yeah. But uh, one I is. I spent about a hundred. Uh, they were spying on me, and one is well, he parts his hair. You won't believe this. It's true. His hair was black. I thought it was. I read that rather wistfully. His mm -hmm. hair black. It was forty-two, yeah. forty-three, and then it said hair parted toward center, but inclining toward left of center the part of my uh -huh. hair. So I thought that was interesting. Suspicious. Well, I thought <laughs> that was interesting. Another was, uh, oh, he uses phrases like, uh, like, a, oh, he says, he's very loyal. We think he's marvelous mm -hmm. and very loyal, even though he seems a little too interested in the betterment of the poorer classes, uh -huh. to quote them, yeah. even though, nonetheless, is loyal. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very funny. But you have some, you must have some very amusing ones. Yeah, I got some, some weird things in it. Uh, I, at one point I was, uh, I had interrogated Richard Helms, who was the head of the CIA, and I'd met him at a party, and I was involved with a lot of research tending to point to the fact that the CIA really was involved with dope traffic from Indochina. And I got into a funny um, um, conversation with Helms in Washington at a cocktail party. And that's in it? Uh, well, no, oh, that's all suppressed except for my letters to him. We'd made a bet, actually, saying... Um, 
if the CIA was involved in Longcheng Air Force Base in Zhengquang Province, uh, which is a CIA air base where they had the secret Neo Army during the war, if uh, our helicopters in Air America was involved in bringing opium in Longcheng, and that was a transshipment point, and if I could prove it, uh, then he would have to sit and meditate for an hour a day for the rest of his life. <laughs> and, is he doing it? Uh, well, I don't know if he's doing it. I finally sent him some papers proving it. Mm. And then if, if not, I would give him my little Buddhist scepter. Little <laughs> he better start buying some so, saffron. But none of that is in the files. No, not But the there files. are letters from me to him saying, are you meditating yet? <laughs> <laughs> so he's... Yeah. he's so Helms is spied on, too, in those files. No, he just turned yeah, the letters he over just turned put it in my file. That, by the way, on that funny. subject of the CIA and drug traffic, you know the book by McCoy. Yeah, I helped work on that. Patrick, Al- I, I did research uh, for that. And that was a pr- pretty exciting uh, ch- uh, chapter yeah, and verse. Al McCoy, it's called The uh, Politics of, o- of uh, Heroin in Indochina. That's and it. And that, that yeah. uh, showed all the lines of the French yeah. intelligence and the American mm. intelligence and their historical role in working with uh, narcotics mm. dealers to fight the commies. That was their motive. They wanted to, they thought they'd fight the commies and make some money on the side that they could put into the little secret operations. That never has been totally investigated by Congress. And Alan, uh, a- before I ask you to read some of your poems today, mm-hmm. it's been 17, 18 years since that first time when you, you read that poem uh, How old right after it? Sputnik. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. I'm thinking Thing, thoughts yeah. now, yeah. just uh, your own thought as to which way we've gone. As you look at it, you've been in the middle of so many events mm-hmm of our day, your feelings. Okay, I'll tell you, um, the one thing I was most interested in back in the 50s was some change of consciousness in America, like some unfixing on the materialistic grabbing aggression competition. And I think more and more that that some element of um, space has come in that people are able to look around and see themselves and take a look at their own egotism. Or at least for myself, I'm able to beginning to want to judge my own grabbing and aggression and um, ignorance. And so I think the net result of all the perturbation and bohemian squabbling and uh, political activism has maybe been some healthy disillusionment with the authority of the government and the authority of our machinery and the authority of capitalism or the authority of politics even and maybe some introduction of um, oh mm, meditation or awareness or thinking thrice thinking twice and then maybe thinking a third time about what is our reality what's our political reality what's our personal reality so you you do see emerging possibly a healthy sort of questioning of institutions hitherto unquestioned well it's not just institutions it's a healthy questioning of our of self itself <coughs> about the ego a healthy questioning <coughs> of our ego national ego personal ego no, it's a healthy question of nationalism, authoritarianism, police statism, but also uh, self. I mean, even the left, see, has had to go through a bankruptcy. In a sense, the left has realized that all this, all the noise made in Chicago perhaps prolonged the war. <laughs> you know about that? Have you thought of that? That the blood of Vietnam rests not, as well, not only on Nixon and Kissinger and everybody else, but also but on do the you left. Fe- do you feel that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's about time I said something like that that maybe all the anxiety created in Chicago, because it kind of torpedoed Humphrey and the Democrats in 68, may have led to, to the election of Nixon, because he just got in by a hair's breadth. I have you to know. ask you a question. And yeah. then uh, oh, sorry. Nixon, and remember, Nixon escalated the war, doubled uh, it. Uh. 
and uh, the left was so angry at, 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 at the liberals and, and Humphrey for their part in the war that they wouldn't vote. And that may be why Nixon got in, and that may have prolonged the war. So, in a sense, everybody in America is bankrupt. Everybody I've has this I've funny karma. I've asked you one question. That's yeah. an imponderable. Yeah. Had Humphrey, this is a question nobody can answer, conjecture. Had, had Humphrey, Humphrey got in, would he done Just a moment. So you yeah. remember the whole, since the Cold War began, and the bipartisan policy, and Republicans accusing Democrats, the McCarthy mm -hmm. of 20 years of treason, yeah. Democrats leaning back so far as to out Cold War the yeah, Republicans, sure. you see, and Agreed. therefore would, yeah. would that war have ended with Humphrey at that time, or would the fear have been yeah. so great, hey, we'll be accused of treason again and given in, yeah. would it not, who knows, continue? Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. I agree with you, but there was one little piece of history that came out during Watergate that was funny. Uh, um, Remember, there was a lot of surveillance. Uh, Nixon had a lot of surveillance, but then he accused Johnson of doing surveillance on Anna Chenault, because Anna Chenault had been telephoning Thieu in Vietnam saying, don't make a deal with Johnson and Humphrey. Wait till Nixon gets in and we won't end the war. Johnson apparently had been trying to make a deal with Thieu that he would have a coalition government with the Viet Cong. And um, uh, Earl Brash, you remember him? For, he was one of Daly's people. Here in the city hall, Earl Bush. Bush, Bush, Earl Bush. Bush. Yeah, remember he, I think he went he was to jail spent later. Some time on. in the poker yeah. since, by the way. Yeah, well, at the time I came here before the convention, was talking to him, saying, "Look, we got to protest the war. That's where we're coming." He said, "Listen, there's secret passed down. They're going to try and end it. You guys are doing it. You, you guys are making a mistake. We're really trying to end it." That's what he thought was going on. Yeah. So there was, I think, a genuine attempt for the election for political reasons. Mm -hmm. See, that's why Johnson quit because he realized he was. War policy well, don't you think, that coming back to the point you made, so there'll be no yeah. questions, uh, yeah. there are many questions raised that we don't answer, but don't you think that protesters through the, e through the years, war helped shorten the war in America? Well, I would be almost willing to say everybody's bankrupt, nobody was right. Mm. You know, uh, why not leave that much space for everybody to be wrong and start all over? Mm. That'd be rather interesting that way. Mm -hmm. In the sense that well, I think actually the protesters may have prevented the atom bomb from being used. On the other hand, they torpedoed Humphrey and maybe elongated the war. Well, we don't four know. Years. Yeah, the question I on raised the other is, hand, did it? On was the it? other hand, if they didn't torpedo Humphrey and elect Nixon by mistake, we wouldn't have had Watergate, which was a good thing. Well, so it's also many things come you know, into play. So nobody's controlling the universe. Finally, uh, one question is raised, though, uh, and that's mm -hmm. you're raising a good question. We we must. Of course, question ourselves. Through sure. Our, but the other first thing is, question ourselves. But the other there. thing is, the other thing is, as uh, if, if I allow what if I allow what you say to go, if I allow what you say go unanswered, yeah. it might put off people, people from dissenting yeah. when dissent is needed from a policy yeah. think is amoral or horrendous or inhuman. Okay. And that's the aspect. So here's what I would begin proposing that. Um, the dissent has to be on the basis of something that doesn't create so much anxiety. In other words, on the basis of some uh, uh, less aggressive, uh, more non-aggression in the dissent. Uh, dissent and clarity, more clarity and less aggression, which is actually, that was a big lesson of the 60s anyway. Everybody got confounded by their own aggression and finally w withdrew a little bit. So when you were asking, what do I think has happened after all that, yes. I'm saying people are beginning to allow space to look at their own yes. aggression yes. and to look at their own uh, grabbing uh, and egotism uh, with, a, with, with both dissent or confirmation of police state as the excuse for, for you know, power pushing around. Mm. So from that point of view, that's why I'm interested in Buddhism. Yeah. yeah. 
See, You're weird. here, by the way, uh, during this visit, this conversation. You're here under the auspices of a... Dharma Dhatta, which is a local uh, Tibetan-style mm-hmm. Buddhist meditation mm-hmm. center, um, who are sponsoring the visit uh, uh, in on uh, late January 1977 of a, a Dharma King, that is a uh, an a, um, old yogi that... Um, has uh, sort of reincarnated in their tradition, uh, or there, there is that tradition of reincarnation uh, over centuries, uh, bearing the same meditation message mm-hmm. and same uh, methods of sitting and examining. Which leads to a question: yeah. that You are the perfect person to ask. There's, I'm disturbed a little. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you about campus life on the moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm not disturbed about that. I'll ask you about that in a moment. But mm-hmm. I'm disturbed by a growth in what may be ersatz religious movements. Not. Not mm-hmm. the Buddhist yeah. uh, movement which you're to, which mm-hmm. to which you're referring. I'm thinking in the airports. You know, you run into yeah. the yeah. Uh, Hare Krishnas yeah. and uh, the freaks. I like the their singing. I don't like their. I'm curious to know about. I don't like their aggression. Ah, I like their singing. Ah, you, you find aggression there. Certain amount aggression of aggression. Yes. Uh, basically, you see, the problem is I think they're theistic. Buddhism is sort of secret. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Buddhism is basically a non-theistic. Uh, observation of phenomena rather than a theistic one. So there isn't quite that same push to uh, clamp a ceiling down uh, on everybody. But I'm thinking of something else. Uh, the proliferation of these, of well, let's say, ersatz yeah. religious movements, in some cases, genuine, so many. From the Buddhist point of view, they speak of it as spiritual materialism. Doesn't that knock many of the young out of the box as far oh as well, participating yeah within the world of reality. That is the world in which dissent is essential. Mm-hmm. As you say, dissent that is nonviolent, of course, no, and non-aggressive. Uh, you could have a little violence there if, it was, if, you, were, if you weren't um, hung on it, if you weren't no, but attached not in, to it. Not know. putting others down because of yeah. their disagreeing with you, in a sense. Yeah, that, well, I, yeah. I think it's a question of not using the dissent as an aggrandizement yeah. of your own ego. Yeah. But coming back to, to the... Self-righteous. Uh, no, the self-righteous. Self-righteous. Is the problem. Yeah, right. Which is a problem, I think, probably with the, with the theistic religious sects also. The, uh, what's interesting about uh, what's going on with Buddhist Dharma is, is that it's, uh, I think, the first time there's been introduced some kind of meditation practice that doesn't depend on a god as a reference point, but depends on one's own individual awareness. And that's an old, old, old uh, tradition. Uh... In Tibetan style, it goes back to 9th, 10th century. Mm. Uh, some great yogi poets, Milarepa among them. I don't know, do you know the Tibetan Book of the Dead? Or heard Ovid, of it? I haven't. Yeah, Leary was using it. that quite a bit uh, in relation to psychedelics back in the 60s. Wow. Well, didn't uh, help him much, did it? Well, he didn't have very good instruction in it. Uh, because mm-hmm. m- most of the doctrines and use of that is, uh, is oral instruction, what they call whispered transmission. Mm from teacher to mm. teacher to teacher to disciple over the centuries. That goes back a long way. So this guy, uh, the uh, Karmapa Lama, who's the head of the Kargyu order of Tibetan Buddhism, is uh, coming over to America to show himself mm. off. And he has a uh, crown, which he displays, which the Chinese emperor gave him in the 14th century, which is supposedly woven of the pubic hairs of sky goddesses. The sight of which, mm-hmm. when displayed, brings instantaneous salvation because the crown is empty. <laughs> so anybody looking at an empty crown uh, realizes there's no thing to be fixed on. There's no ego to be. Alan, I've got to. <laughs> you know, I've got to ask you. I'm talking symbolic terms. I know. I, I, I assume you are. It is. <laughs> I assume they're symbolic terms. Come back then. Yes. The feeling. Mm-hmm. 
Self-righteousness, of course, has been one of yeah. the, one of the uh, flaws in so many of us, no matter, well, having no a matter, self matter to what our, no matter what our ideology. Okay, having a self to begin with that you have to be righteous about. So the real problem is the fixation on defense of the territory of a self uh, or an ego or... Uh, which but there must yeah. be self, must there not? I mean, are you, are you, well, you speaking of an end to self? Are you speaking of a dissolution of that. self? Yeah, I think we're going to have to deal with that sooner or later. Well, can't there be both? Can't there be a self? And this is the thing we're talking about. Yeah. Self plus an awareness of the community of which the self is part. That is both the individual plus the communal awareness. Isn't this what it's about? Whereas there is a self. There, is, mm -hmm. there are individuals, and there are individual psyches, are there not? I mean, well, are you, are you, are you speaking of a dissolution of... of Studs, I'm beginning to wonder. Uh. <laughs> Actually, you know where I'm coming from now? The le since October 10th, where we're now talking sometime mid-November, late November, uh, I've been since October 10th in a, uh, a retreat situation with several hundred other, or a hundred other meditators who have been sitting eight, ten hours a day, paying attention to breath, the out-breath, actually. This is a traditional, classic method of meditation paying attention to the breath coming from the tip of the nose and dissolving in space in front of us, and um, examining thoughts that rise out of the self while uh, trying to focus in one spot on the breath, doing that 10 hours a day. That's and I got, I got out of there yeah. the day before yesterday yeah. to come here to give this uh, yeah, but reading. Then I'm going, going back there. For great, but how's that going to stop the spread of nuclear reactor no, plants? We're, we're talking about self, remember? We weren't talking about <laughs> nuclear reactors. Well, I mean, it takes a lot of cells <laughs> to spread a nuclear <laughs> reactor, remember? No, no, listen. I'm thinking about no, you know I'm talking. Slow down. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. I'm talking about Let's how will slow down step by step. All right. Um, the if you uh, the question is uh you know how do you deal with the self? That's what that's what our question was. How do you deal with it? Now your formulation was there's a self and then there's outside society. I'm saying aren't I was both saying aren't both parts of the reality of yeah, our existence. I'm saying in a way you're making a kind of a duality thing going. And yeah. it, it might be easier, better and more useful, even from the point of view of being a bodhisattva and taking care of society, to look a little deeper and figure out whether there is a self to begin with, um, to get to some deeper sense of uh, where we are and uh, what our emotions are. And the only way you can do that, say, f say for instance, somebody wants to protest and can't tell whether his protest is aggressiveness, anger, or whether it's something that's not going to create more anxiety. So I would, I've been for a long time recommending that, say, peace protesters actually do about an hour of sitting every day, observing the flow of consciousness and observing the rise of anger, um, observing the nature of thought, observing the nature of self actually, or the phenomena of the self. Sitting confronting self. So the question, how do you do it? You know, like the Hare Krishna people are singing all the time, so they don't see anything in a way. I like the Buddhist form because it's relatively empty. To ask you yeah. a step further, not, mm -hmm. not too removed from this, but just yeah. going on to one before we, before we have a pause and ask you for some poetry. Yep. As we're talking... Singing about non-self. <laughs> singing about non-self. Yeah. As, as you're talking, I'm thinking yeah. about you knowing the campuses of the country as well as anybody, mm -hmm. having lectured and talked and sung and read poetry yeah. at, and participated so many. I'm still traveling around, probably so be doing that a lot. So the too. thought today, as the prevalent thought, mm -hmm. prevailing thought, is that, God, silence again. The silence yeah. of the 50s, mm -hmm. participate in the 60s, recession, depression, yeah. fear. Of yeah. So 
kids trying to make out rather than being pro bono publico, right. pro bono publico. Right. What, is it the 50s or is there something else going on? I think it's an examination of the self that's going on. That's really deep and important. And I, and I think that unless you get, get this trick thing I'm talking about, uh, you'll, um, you'll get depressed. <laughs> uh, there is something good happening, I think, which is the introduction of some sense of dharma or some um, examination. What's the real ground of being? You've got to remember that the protest movements of the 60s rose out of a question about a new consciousness in the 50s that came out of visionary experiences of the 40s. There was a funny kind of breakthrough of a new consciousness in the late 40s, spread in the form of beatnikism in the mid-50s, and then took maybe somewhat aggressive social form in the 60s. The aggression got nipped in the bud by Kent State and a few other traumatic social agent provocateur shocks plus disillusionment that that aggression maybe have led to a greater complication of the scene. So the 70s people had to go back to the home territory inside their heads and say, now what's going on? Okay, what is going on? So question now, I think, with the 70s is, it is not, I don't think, a reactionary retrograde withdrawal into self, except as it's encouraged by stupidity. I mean, like, uh, these guys ain't doing nothing. They're just going back to themselves and drinking beer. There's also a beginning to, uh, what I think is happening is a clearing of the ground inside people's heads and, and attempting to find a basis of social action or of generosity toward others that's a little more impersonal in the sense of not grounded on passion, mm -hmm. grabbing, at aggression, the and ignorance. At the same time, time paradoxical it sounds, I, I yeah. not as impersonal and yet quite personal right. in the basic sense. Yeah, well, I see, yeah. the, uh, uh, impersonal in the sense yeah. of uh, 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 not being an assertion of self-righteousness. Yeah. Mm. So you do see, then, then you, you see hope. You see yours is a hopeful approach. Well, um, I think... I, without being a Pollyanna. The desire to work with hopelessness, the desire to deal, to see the situation, uh, I, think, I think the situation is actually hopeless. And I think that's like the, gra uh, the ground that we should all start from. Like, recognize a certain... See, in this hopeless in the sense of all the activity of the 60s actually s screwed things up, maybe. Or just complicated as much as anybody else was complicating, all the left activity. So if one were to begin and go back to the very beginning and start all over again without the illusions of self-righteousness, um, that might be very interesting. Instead of just pursuing, pushing the same... Johnny, one note of I'm angry at the national universe. See, I mean, because it's a, like anger at the national universe. It's not, it's, you know, it's almost uh, anger at mama and daddy and all that. So there's got to be a clarification. Then I think there'll be real social action of a, of a, of a, of a nature that'll cut through a lot, a lot, a lot more uh, clean. And because uh, uh, remember, the entire society is going to be faced by power failure, energy failure by what, 2000, 2040. So this is a long-range thing we've got to prepare for. It's not just, you know, like overnight we're going to have a revolution. Got to prepare for um, a kind of emptying out of aggression against nature that's been taking place for 100 years, and it may take like 30, 40, 50, 60 years to cool all that down. They think in a long range, which is why I'm interested in um, and keep coming back to the um, Buddhist view which is an ancient view, like several thousand years old, of um, trying to let things settle. 
and uh, taking action on the basis of a non-anxious slow down slow down an observation slow everything down I suppose this might be a, a spiritual approach to A.J. Musty's yeah. non-violent political approach yeah well I think Musty had good sense there I think M Musty I knew and I liked um, I think he had good sense yeah. Yeah. Allen Ginsberg. Musty was, uh, for, for people who don't know from yeah. listening well, to it, he was, what, the head of the Quaker pacifist group? He was the Fellowship of Reconciliation, yeah. and uh, he, by by nonviolent, yeah. uh, not aggressive nonviolence, yeah. but by active nonviolence, yeah. mm -hmm. was able to make his points yeah. and, uh, very effectively. Yeah. And even to those who had the clubs and the mm -hmm. guns. Yeah. Now, a question often comes up, and we need yeah. to go into this because it's unanswerable, the imponderable. Could he have done that against Hitler? Remember, Musty once said, yeah. if you can't love Hitler, you can't love anybody. Yeah. And that would cause quite a furor. Yeah. He was implying, of course, that to get at that mm -hmm. illness, mm -hmm. one must get into the heart of it, which is what you're talking about, too. Well, I think uh, one Buddhist view of that is Hitler is also a sentient being, but on the other hand, he's such a heavy egotist that, that he probably that the, the dissolution of his ego would be like a tough job and, my, and he might you know yeah. that's why they speak of reincarnation is that someone with a ego like hitler might just yeah. cling to it so well, heavy it would, it would be like a whirlwind in the See, dust and get reincarnated because once you hit the phenomenon of nazism itself <coughs> yeah. phenomenon of fascism itself then of mm -hmm. course it's another uh, yeah aspect of i wanted to sing a song yeah. Sing a song and then we'll have a slight pause. Well, and, we have time. Some we poetry. Oh, yeah, no, we have, uh, sing, sing a song and we'll pause for after the song. Gospel Noble Truths. You look like you didn't want to let go of Earth having the nail there. As Ned Kelly, the bandit, said before they hanged him and they sprang the trap, that's life. <laughs> you say, die when you die, and I'm about to say, that's life. Yeah. I wasn't sure you were. See, I was no. saying, let go. Let's uh, turn to what we were talking about, radicals yeah. that want to make that heaven, mm -hmm. grabbing on the heavens. Mm -hmm. I think, let go. Let let's, go. let's hold for a moment, come back Earth, to that heaven, song you sang yeah. and uh, what I felt when you sang that song yeah. after we pause. Mm -hmm. Of course, life is real, life is earnest at this moment, mm -hmm. the message. So resuming the conversation with Allen Ginsberg, and the song you sang with, uh, with the harmonium accompaniment, mm -hmm. I suppose is Buddhist and feeling, and yet I the did tune, it in a country yet it was form. an American right. hymn. Right. It was an American hymn, so you're fusing two Yeah. It's actually cultures. called it gospel. It's a gospel song. Gospel, yeah. mm. noble truths, and in Buddhism mm -hmm. there's the four noble truths, uh, as they're called, which is suffering. Suffering is caused by ignorance. The suffering is caused by ignorance, grabbing for an ego, mm -hmm. continually trying to defend territory not willing to give up, not willing to let go, not willing to accept what's in front of you, the space in front of you, really. Then there's an end to ignorance if you get hip to the fact that your suffering is caused by your own grabbing. And then... There's one, you know, there's one danger... I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, there's a thing called Eightfold Path, which mm -hmm. is once you understand non-ego, once you understand not defending territory, right views, right aspiration to get uh, out of that, uh, right speech, right activity, right labor, so you're not polluting further, you, you right know, energy out of that. You know, Alan, everything you're saying is generous in spirit, and you speak of the need to throw off self-righteousness as, mm -hmm. as unnecessary baggage. Mm -hmm. All this is, there's no argument, but there's one it thing It sounds terribly self-righteous, I'm sure. Yeah, but there's, but the, but there's one... It sounds very self-righteous. No, but there's one, there's one thing that disturbs me about this. The systematic? And that's the looking into self, which is mm -hmm. necessary, Mm -hmm. At the same time, so inward, 
that there's an ignoring of the world outside and the predators are still at work. And so the air is polluted further. Yeah. You know, uh, nuclear reactor plants are increasing in number. And okay, I just wonder... Okay, okay. I think because... You see, I'm thinking, how okay, then? I think that's just it. Yeah. Because you are so worried, because there is so much anxiety, there's an element of even clinging to life in a, in a way that trips you up almost. You, well, you got to have more humor. I should say I there's a clinging okay, to life. Yes, and it's a little heavy-handed, I would say. The, the, what you, you mean lightly cling to life? I think you have to have a little, a little more space, let, a little, let enough space to recognize that, you know, like the universe is not going to last forever, that the universe really doesn't need us on our little planet, that is much vaster seen than our notions of clinging or not clinging. But while we're on it, uh, while, while we're on, we're on it, it well, the, the, if we dig the vastness, we'll have a better chance of surviving. That's true. Digging the yeah. by digging the vastness yeah. of the sea. Well, can't In one other words, by encouraging a vaster consciousness. Can't of the one sea. dig the vastness at the same time digging the place where you lay down the bucket where you are? Well, you know? they're both the same ultimately. I mean, I mean, laying down the bucket in vastness, sure. But I think at this point, well, there's a kind of claustrophobic feeling in, in the world and in America of like a fish caught in a shrinking pond and apocalypse. And I think that very claustrophobia is 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 part of the problem. Yeah. And that's why I, that's why I keep saying, open up a little more space. Uh, the, like the the, tradi the the like the ancient wisdom of the East, let open up a little more space, take a little larger perspective on it. I did keep wanting to say the re the reason I came here was. This Dharma King, who opens up a lot of space in his head, will be here at the end of January, January 30th, to have a ceremony, which is a, a, a very traditional ancient ceremony of showing off this black hat made of the pubic hairs of sky goddesses to all the worried people of Chicago. See, everybody in Chicago is worried about, you know, is the earth going to survive? So all these sky goddesses have woven their pubic hair together to give a little poetic demonstration to people in Chicago to have a little better sense of humor. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, you have a sense of humor, of course. Yeah, so so I, it'll be a, 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 the, the you know, Gyalwa Karmapa. I got a point. Gyalwa Karmapa, His Holiness, will be at the Continental Plaza Hotel on January 30th in the afternoon. I have to enlighten the audience. That is, yes. this, is, this is audio and not visual. See, yeah. as Alan was talking about the hairs of the goddesses, and that's going to help you along and as, yes. as the pollution. <laughs> that he's also smiling as he says it. So there's, it's not a put-on by Allen Ginsberg. He believes what he's saying. And by the way, much of what he says indeed makes great I'm sense. I'm talking somewhat in symbolic language. Yeah, in, in very symbolic language. No, At the same time, language. you're also saying sense of humor is needed, too. Yeah, and I'm also mm. saying that, that the, this uh, a Tibetan uh, Buddhist uh, hero uh, who represents mm -hmm. a huge tradition of meditation is coming to Chicago. It's going to be a very rare mm -hmm. thing, like the appearance of the beatniks in Chicago of 1959 was a historic occasion. Well, that was. Uh, that okay, was the time I'd that... I'd probably say the... Even more historic occasion will be, be the appearance of this Dharma Buddhist yeah. king, like a, for representing a very ancient lineage, mm. several thousand years of meditation, coming here to show off, uh, to show off something. And you know what occurs to me as you're yeah. saying this, because you're also throwing me as you're talking. Few things you you raise many points that I find real and true mm -hmm. and necessary, particularly mm -hmm. throwing off that baggage of self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. At the same time, also throwing me off guard, I'm disturbed slightly by what you're saying, but doesn't this knock us out of the box too? Mm -hmm. All this, all this yeah. inward looking. Yeah. And now, back in 59, 
We yeah. began the show with the beginning parts of that yeah. uh, poem you wrote uh, mm-hmm. after Russian Sputnik. Sputnik. Yeah. Yeah. Suppose we hear a piece of the tape anywhere on that tape. Just continue where we started. Yeah, where you, anyone that where you and uh, Gregory Orlovsky and uh, where. Uh, not, not Gregory, Gregory Corso. Gregory Corso was there and Peter Orlovsky. And Peter Orlovsky, where the three of you came in. I remember then, too, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And we'll hear, supposedly, just a part yep. of that. But is it, is it what I'm saying now is just a continuation of it's that. It's a continuation, but it's also... Except uh, maybe we, we got some reinforcements from Tibet. <laughs> Rim, That's Tibet, what I'm saying. Reinforcements also, from Tibet are coming. And also 17, 18 years of events yeah. that have, uh, yeah. one way or another, uh, Added mm-hmm. to our experience, if not our awareness, yeah. your awareness certainly. I'm not sure of mine, mm-hmm. but part of the, perhaps while we're finding that piece of tape, a poem. Yeah, uh, okay, you, you continue. You are song. because you are primarily a poet. Okay, uh, uh, one more song. My father died this year. Um, Louis Ginsberg. Uh, Louis Ginsberg, who was, who a, was poet, a poet, who I was very fond of, and who I spent a good deal of time with. Uh, this last year, as he died, died of cancer on July eighth. So I, I was teaching uh, at the um, in Boulder with this Buddhist institute, and I flew home to uh, go to the funeral. I'd been with him most of the spring and went off to do work with the other meditators, and then had to fly home. And over Lake Michigan, uh, wrote a poem, heard a song, wrote a poem, so I'll sing that. Could you hear words in there, all right, over the harmonium? Yeah, Good. that's... Um, that's a Kaddish, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for my father. Ending, birth you gave was no thing ill. My heart is still, as time will tell. I'm thinking this and uh, very moving in the Kaddish that you wrote. Yeah, I wrote a long poem called Kaddish for my mother. For your mother. In 56. So that was 56. The poem yeah. was 59. 59. The death was 56. But 59, so again, 17 poems about the time yeah. you'd be 17 years later this is another form isn't yeah. it it's also uh, we come to something else here don't we I thought a howl mm-hmm. and there was a there was an indignation and mm-hmm. a rage and howl. is that gone I think uh, I think that is gone um, what is um, there's elements of no I still have I, uh, if we had a little time I'd isn't some of that necessary I mean long, uh, y- how could that be <coughs> gone the, I think this is the thread that I'm trying to latch on yeah. to here well how can a very essential human rage it seems to me be obliterated and erased uh, isn't it necessary actually I have a funny poem yeah. I wrote a couple of months now ago Alan I just yeah. asked you something yeah well, which is all about rage but there's also, uh, it's a very funny poem, and it's a right poem, talking about the, uh, how the CIA and organized crime and the FBI have all along been oh, sort of one set of criminal gangs working in conjunction with each other. You want, well, it's about five minutes there. Can well, you take try, that? Try, try if okay. that, or at least add sure. a, 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 a fragment a, from it, or sure. just that. You know, had to be said. Be now, yeah. Alan, there yeah. were two aspects of you. Here's yeah. this. Well, I haven't finished the poem. But no, I know there's more. I can be more to it. Yeah, it's twice as long. It's about time something like that was said, certainly. Sure. Now, that is said, and there is a rage and an indignation. Yep. At the same time, as there's the other Allen Ginsberg. Well, no, at the, the same time, there's, about. there's uh, there has to be also with that, wait a minute, with uh. it, there's, a, there's that assertion. At the same time, there also has to be the space of father death, guru death, your words are true, teacher death, I do thank you for inspiring me to sing this. There's got to be the, enough space 
so that there's you don't solidify that outrage so and become right. a demon. Right. So we are asked then then there well, are because if you, when you become then a there demon. is then there are the two aspects. Well, there's a million aspects. No, there's but eros I also there's eroticism no, I, too. I came back earlier. Yeah. You wonder about the protesters. Perhaps it had to be said. It, now, were it not for those protesters, perhaps this particular feeling today would not be there either, looking into self. Oh, How, sure. So we're yeah. coming back to, again, yeah. there is something had to be said. Yeah, uh, sure, and, um, including one thing that has to be said, which is, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. See, it's about time everybody said that, too. Us. <laughs> hey, it would be interesting to say we don't know what we're talking about on the air. Right. Once and for okay. all, empty the air. We don't know. To empty okay. the air forever. Right. Just for I don't that know, We don't know. You nor I know what we're talking about, but yeah, let's. And, and, and but let's well, wait, 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 wait. Let's give it a minute. Yeah, <laughs> One right. minute of respect for the fact that we don't know what we're talking about and that the people listening to us don't know what they're talking about and nobody knows what he's talking about and the engineers don't know what they're listening to and the new president doesn't know what he's doing and God doesn't know what he's yeah. doing. And apparently the only people, I would say, that have any sense of that are people who started out from that to begin with realizing they didn't know what it was all about and just started at the bottom to start looking around out of that space, giving, taking, clearing that space you know, and letting it stay there for a while and looking at it and beginning maybe to reconstruct some um, well, groundless uh, awareness of what's going on. Okay, now we can get back to fill no, up. No, no, we can fill up what the you're space saying. Again. I'm getting back to the yeah. agreed. What you, that's pretty yeah. good. I like that. We okay, well, that was the whole point when I was talking about Dakini hairs, a Vajra crown, something to, yeah. to, to empty the head of Chicago. And that was what yeah. I'm. This is what I, symbi- was I was saying. I was talking symbolically. Yeah. At the same no, no, no. time. No, what I'm saying is, January 30th, 1977, a guy with an empty head. Yeah, come well, a guy with an empty head, yeah. named Galva Karmapa, will go exhibit a crown denoting empty head, emptiness, uh, uh, at um, the Continental Plaza Hotel in the afternoon. So anybody in Chicago who wants to empty his head is welcome to see that. Good. Fair enough. Except uh, no, that's the sim- I was trying to one Why am I hung up yeah. on trying to tell people yeah. this? You know, why am I hung up on this commercial announcement? That's why. Because it's empty-headed for a change. Well, so I mean, okay, now we can... This no, can simply, it simply, simply our time is... Great. <laughs> and it, it's not Our a time about ends where well we wait. don't know what we're talking no, about. Great. No, no, except for one. Except for one. end that way? It would be great. I was going to offer a caveat, but I let it go. Oh, no, no. Okay, fill it up a little. No, no, no fill it. When leave the air, the fact is that there is a knowledge, there is a sense of awareness, mm-hmm. there are values, and you believe in that. You're not, I know you don't believe in value-free science. You don't believe in value-free approach to life that is... Nothing really matters. We know nothing. We do know something. I think awareness. And I know I think I'm interested and in awareness. And it's, I know the thing I fear, and mm-hmm. it, I agree with Don't you worry. Don't worry. It's not, not a fear. The thing <laughs> I worry about, don't I do worry, worry, don't worry, is that in putting <laughs> ourselves. Foot there. And you got my foot to <laughs> yeah. keep me calm. <laughs> yeah. You touched my toe and kept yeah. me calm. Yeah. It's simply that in put it, people have a tendency today, the great many, to put themselves down. And yeah. not worried to put them. That remember the thing we're mm-hmm. overcoming yes. is this 
worshipping of institutions. The man up yeah. there knows more than I do, else he yeah. wouldn't be there. Yeah. We know why we're in there. We don't know why we're in the war, but they know why we're in the war, so they wouldn't yeah. be there. Right. And that aspect worries me. And mm -hmm. if we don't know what we're talking about, all of us say that. Well, somebody does. That's why he's the big shot. We've got to battle that. No, I think we, we had our empty, nobody knew what they're talking about, and we extended it up to the White House just now, didn't we? Oh. You know, it was the whole world. It was the entire universe. I think it was God didn't know what he was doing, even. Remember? So don't worry about that. Right. <laughs> We're not reinforcing another so, authority. So the egalitarianism of nobody knows what they're talking about. The emptiness of nobody <laughs> knows what they're talking about. We'll let it <laughs> go for now. We've emptied out the universe. That means we can start tomorrow afresh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we're a little more aware because we had that little space. All right. See, we woke from the dream for a minute. Now I go back to the daydream. Okay. okay. Alan Ginsberg, thank you very much. Could we go off with a, with a yeah. ah? Ah, uh, oh, appreciates that vastness. Ah. Ah. Uh,